everybody. This is Pastor Chad. It is Sunday, August 14th, 2022. Actually, it's August 13th, Saturday. I'm pre-recording this video because of my hectic schedule. I have to do that uh, sometimes now. But today's message uh, is a very important one, and it's about something that I have researched and studied uh, for a long time. And it's really the reason that the Recovery Reformation Ministry came about. If you're not familiar with uh, my ministry, the way R122 ministry, a branch of that is Recovery Reformation. And you can learn about that at recoveryreformation.org. And this sermon came about because of an email that I received from a gentleman uh, a week or two ago. It's one of many emails that I received that are very similar to the one that this man sent me. Uh, So part of the sermon is going to be a bit unusual because I'm going to share his email. He gave me the permission to do so. Obviously, I'm not going to share his name, but it gets to the core of what really brought me to ministry and why Recovery Reformation had to come about, and really what started opening my eyes to the just the horrible condition of so much of the, the modern Christian church. And I think you'll see that as we go through this today. So this is a very, a very important message. You are someone who has learned about the danger of programs like Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 Steps, Celebrate Recovery, other programs that are uh, entering more and more churches, this message uh, should be helpful in helping you combat this plague that has really taken place in so much of the modern church. Uh, If you're not aware of the danger that these programs uh, present and uh, the damage that they're doing in churches, I very much ask you to pay close attention to this message because it will be eye-opening to you. I can guarantee that. So let's Pray, and we will get right into it. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you, and I thank you for this opportunity to gather together, brothers and sisters, at a distance from all over the world. Uh, Lord, I just ask that each person that will hear this message, that will either watch the video or listen to the podcast, that you would uh, bless them with an open mind and an open heart that you would bless them with discernment, that they would uh, hear the message, that they would uh, have their eyes opened if they're not aware of the dangers that these programs represent, uh, that you would uh, enable them to see the truth, and that any prepositions or opinions would be set aside, and that we would, beyond anything, seek to honor you, to see you glorified, and to uh, understand that your word is the ultimate measure of truth, and it is our ultimate measure of morality, and that we should weigh everything that we're uh, that we come across, everything that we're presented with, everything that we encounter in our lives according word. Uh, Lord, and I just I just pray, pray that you would bless this message and bless each person that hears it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the message is Twelve step deception. And what I'm going to do to begin this message is I'm going to share a few excerpts from articles wrote. Uh, Most of these articles I think I wrote probably around 2014, 2015, uh, that show 
and prove that Alcoholics Anonymous is a heretical program. And I don't say that lightly. And you'll see when I read these things that that is so when you compare the writings of, of Alcoholics Anonymous with the message of the gospel and the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word in scripture. So I'm going to start by sharing a few examples of what you'll find. And if you want to learn more about this, just go to recoveryreformation.org. And there are multiple articles on it that will get into this in, in much more depth. I didn't want to spend the whole sermon uh, reading these things, but I think by prefacing this, this email that I received, with this information from our website, it will help you understand how, how severe this problem is that we have got to start addressing in the Christian church. So again, these are excerpts from articles at Recovery Reformation RG. And again, I wrote these quite a few years ago, but they're obviously still very applicable. This one has to do with Alcoholics Anonymous Step 2 which says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The problem, that's, that's step two of Alcoholics Anonymous, but the problem is not insanity. The problem is sin. And if you're familiar with the idea of alcoholism or addiction being a disease, that false teaching came about through Alcoholics Anonymous. So they, they teach you that your addiction or your, your drunkenness is a disease, it's insanity, it needs to be treated, and you're never going to be healed from it. The problem is not insanity, the problem is sin. By fooling someone into believing their condition is due to insanity, they are freed from taking responsibility for their behavior. Labeling sin as insanity removes the guilt and shame that leads to true repentance and to the cross of Jesus Christ. A higher power cannot help anyone. The only way to overcome sin is by the blood of Jesus Christ, and to refer to Jesus Christ as a higher power is to deny him before men and to be ashamed of his name. The name of Jesus Christ is to be praised above all others, never to be referred to as a higher power. Step two is a perfect example of why AA and the 12 steps are heresy an insult to Jesus Christ, and have no place in any Christian environment. Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 3, 23-25 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith, Shame on anyone who referred to the great I am as a higher power. I apologize for my dog barking in the background. Uh, I have a sign right on my door that says no soliciting, but obviously uh, people pay about as much attention to that as many in the modern church do to uh, the word of God and trying to identify heresy. So I apologize for that noise in the background. Alcoholics Anonymous, step three. So that shows you, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Again, it's sin. It's not insanity. It's not disease. A power greater than ourselves, Alcoholics Anonymous, pushes this concept of just believing in a higher power of your own understanding. Any Christian will tell you that's, that is insanity in itself. 
We can only come to know God through his word by the revelation of the Holy Spirit showing us and leading us to the truth of who God is. Now let's look at Alcoholics Anonymous step three. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Page 34 of 12 Steps and 12 Traditions says, like all the, now, first of all, I want to say in Alcoholics Anonymous, you have two books that they basically look at as their Bibles. The one is what they call the big book. It's the title is just Alcoholics Anonymous. And then 12 Steps and 12 Traditions breaks down the steps and explains how you should work through them as you go through the program. So when I say 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, I'm referring to that Alcoholics Anonymous book by that title which says on page 34 of 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, like all the remaining steps, step three calls for affirmative action, for it is only by action that we can cut away the self-will which has always blocked the entry of God, or if you like, a higher power into our lives. Faith, to be sure, is necessary, but faith alone can avail nothing. Did a big rag flag just go up for you? We can have faith, yet keep God out of our lives. Therefore, our problem now becomes just how and by what specific means shall we be able to let him in? Step three represents our first attempt to do this. Now, here again is one single statement that completely disqualifies the 12 steps from having any place in a Christian church or gathering. While the entire statement above is anti-Christian, the two sentences that I, if you go to our website, you'll see that are in bold, especially are in direct contradiction with the core belief of the Christian message, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Read those two sentences again, and then reread the, pa- the following passages of Scripture. So those sentences, again, from step three, says, It is only by action that we can cut away the self-will, which has always blocked the entry of God, or if you like, a higher power into our lives. Faith, to be sure, is necessary, but faith alone can avail nothing. We can have faith, yet keep God out of our lives. Therefore, our problem now becomes just how and by what specific means shall we be able to let him in? So this is putting all of the impetus, all of the work, on man. This is works righteousness, saying that a relationship with God is only had if we do certain things. It completely does away with God's sovereignty, with the doctrine of election, with all the doctrines of grace. Compare that with Romans 3, 28 through 30. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 11.6, but it, it, if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Galatians 3.5-6, does he then who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? 
Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Ephesians 2, 8-9. through 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. Philippians 3, 9. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which, which comes from God on the basis of faith. We are only saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. So right there, that teaching of Alcoholics Anonymous is buried and proven heretical by scripture. Please read all of Hebrews chapter 11 regarding what faith in the true God can do. Again, these are all just excerpts that you can read if you go to recoveryreformation.org. Can the third step of Alcoholics Anonymous be used in a Christian context? No. Can it be used if it is reworded or if as we understood him is removed? No. Referring here to Celebrate Recovery, because that's how they try to justify their program. But right in the front of the Celebrate Recovery Bible, which is a travesty, it says that the 12 steps, uh, the 12, traditional 12 steps remain intact in that program. The dangerous apostasy of AA Step 3 is apparent in claiming that we can worship a God of our own understanding, which eliminates the only true way to know God, which is through the Holy Scriptures in which he reveals himself to us. Step 3 also indicates that our will and lives can be turned over to God simply by a decision that we make based upon a false understanding of God. Christ is nowhere mentioned in the AA program, which makes step three complete apostasy because Jesus tells us in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. By removing the words as we understood him does in no way justify step three from a Christian perspective because something man-made and actually demonically inspired, the AA program and the steps, are not of God, is being used to claim access to God. We are told in the scriptures who God is and that only through Jesus Christ can we be, can we be redeemed before God and we are not to give any credence to teachings outside of or contrary to God's word. The Bible is very clear that Christians are to adhere only to the one true gospel. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.9, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Paul is very severe in his warning to the Ephesians. Anyone trying to justify AA and the 12 steps as being acceptable in a Christian context, and especially combining the apostasy of AA and the 12 steps with God's word, should heed Paul's warning. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Isaiah 45, 22. Let's look at Alcoholics Anonymous, step five. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. That's step five. Pages 55, 56, and 57 of 12 Steps and 12 Traditions says, Most of us would declare that without a fearless admission of our defects to another human being, we could not stay sober. It seems plain that the grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsessions until we are willing 
to try this. So instead of grace as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ, the 12 steps claim that grace is had through the admitting through admitting our defects to another human being. Romans 3, 23 through 25 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Page 58 of 12 Steps and 12 Traditions says, Our moral inventory that's what you, like we talked about in step five. Our moral inventory had persuaded us that all round forgiveness was desirable, but it was only when we resolutely tackled step five that we inwardly knew we'd be able to receive forgiveness and give it to. Matthew 26, 28 says, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Luke 24, 47 says, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Acts 2, 38 says, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.43 says, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Acts 26.18 says, To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Ephesians 1 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Obviously, step five and its falsely proclaimed ability to enable forgiveness of sin on page 58 of 12 Steps and 12 Traditions is heresy. There is no forgiveness whatsoever outside of the loving grace of Jesus Christ. Once again, here is one single fact of the 12 steps that disqualify them from ever having a place in any Christian church or gathering whatsoever. Let's look at Alcoholics Anonymous, step six, which says, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. <clears throat> Page 65 of 12 steps and 12 traditions says, if we ask, God will certainly forgive our derelictions. But in no case does he render us white as snow and keep us that way without our cooperation. That is something we are supposed to be willing to work toward ourselves. He asks only that we try as best we know how to make progress in the building of character. Step six is in direct contradiction to the Christian gospel. There is no forgiveness outside of Christ. By grace through faith in Christ, we are washed as white as snow. There is nothing we can do on our own to be redeemed or forgiven. This excerpt from page 65 of 12 Steps and 12 Traditions leaves no room for debate on whether or not the 12 Steps are Christian in origin. This statement makes it clear that they are absolutely not. You will be blown away. If you start confronting pastors who have Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in their church about the fact that they are heretical and they will, all, so many times I've had them reply to me, well, no, Alcoholics Anonymous is founded on Christian principles. It's biblical. Over and over again for the last 10 years, I have heard that. Isaiah 118 says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. AA teaches that God does not 
make your sins go away and wash you as white as snow. So those are just a few examples of the blatant heresy that AA teaches. It's a workspace program, denies Jesus Christ, claims that you can have forgiveness of sins without Christ, without the cross, without Calvary, that you can make up any God that you want. You can just believe in a God of your own understanding and you'll be okay. You cannot argue with what I just shared with you that that's what that program teaches. And again, if you go to recoveryreformation.org, there is much more proof of how heretical AA, the 12 steps, and any other 12-step programs are, even if they claim to be Christian. I receive emails from people constantly that are concerned about AA, the 12 steps, Celebrate Recovery, or some other 12-step program being brought into their church. They see the danger. They know that these programs should not be in a church, and they're trying to warn their church leadership so they do not bring these programs in. So the email I, I'm going to share with you today is not unique. I've been receiving them, them for years. And if you're not familiar with my ministry, please go to our website and look at Pastor Chad's testimony. And, and, and there's a video on there where I share my story. I spent 13 years or so in AA. I know that program. It's what God used to bring me into ministry when I realized how heretical it was. But I want to share this email with you because it shows you what we are dealing with in the modern church. And again, the man said I could share the email. I just told him I would not use his name. He says, Chad Prigmore, I realize that I'm a little long-winded, but please bear with me to the end. Several months ago, I was asked to attend a meeting of Region. I've, I don't know what Region is. It's another one of the, they're constantly coming up with new recovery programs. It's like an industry. People realize that they can, they can come up with a program. They can say it's Christian and you can make a lot of money by selling them to churches. So I guess that's what this is, I'm, but I'm not going to get into it because I don't waste any time anymore even looking into them because in my opinion, no programs at all whatsoever are needed. We have the gospel. So this guy says, I was asked to attend a meeting of region in Phoenix, Arizona with a small group of, of believers from our central Arizona fellowship in hopes of using the program as a ministry of our church. And in parentheses, he says, this is a 12-step based program. We had been using a program called Hope for Addiction, which really wasn't leading people into a relationship with Christ as we had anticipated. It was a 10-month commitment to go through the program with about 20 other people so that we could launch it in our church and act as leaders or mentors, mentors to those who wanted to participate. After the first week of praying as to whether I should commit, the Lord began to show me through scripture, devotionals, radio teachings, etc., that I was not to. At first, I thought that I wasn't to, then my wife and I were not to, and finally that the church was not to participate in this. I first called a friend that is our associate pastor and was also considering participation, and he referred me to another friend that was leading the group. When I called him with my concerns, backed by several scriptures and Christian beliefs, I was told that we could meet later and talk about it. I chalked it up to him just getting over COVID. He started the program, and we attended, believing that everyone would soon see the hypocrisy of it and possibly move on to developing a ministry that was based on the Bible. After all, we had about 20 believers that were committed to this. 
When he finally met with me, he didn't even take notes on the scriptures that this program was contradicting. It was obvious that he was set on doing it. Funny part is, he told me that he and his wife had prayed about it. Was that about the time that I called him and said that the Lord was speaking to me as to why we shouldn't do it? One thing that I had read at the time was from Alan Redpath in a book called The Making of a Man of God, page 34, chapter 2, which says, it is, it is a pathetic thing to find so many Christians believing that the best way to bear witness of the Lord is to imitate the devil's methods, to try to resist Satan by the same kind of programs and techniques, abilities, and organizations which he himself has perfected. I was losing sleep over this, and that statement kept ringing in my mind. A few months after that, and with permission of the leader, I went back to our associate pastor, and my request was that he could show me in scripture as to why we should be considering this program. He was to get back with me. We continued in the program and started the inventory section. That's that step five that I read about. Started the inventory section of the steps. I knew that I couldn't participate in this phase, and I told my wife not to as well. We attended, the me we attended the meetings and just didn't say much until I was directly questioned in front of the group by the leader, and I had to say that for me to participate in an inventory, it would be sin. After that, he wanted to talk to me before the next meeting, which didn't work out, and we dropped out. Keep in mind, these are people that we have known and fellowshiped with, some for 25 years. My wife's best friends are in this group. Until now, I would trust some of these guys in ministry above all others. A few weeks later, I was thinking about what Redpath had said and realized that Bill, he says Bill Williams, but he's referring to Bill Wilson, who's the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. He's the guy that wrote those books and realized that Bill Wilson and Redpath were contemporaries. I was wondering if we could have been referring, if he could have been referring to AA. He had said programs that Satan perfected. So I did a search for AA and the occult on my phone as a whim. My dad used to say, I'm going to stop there. If you're not familiar, Bill Wilson, uh, it's very, it's well documented that he was an occultist, the man that wrote the book. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous that, that wrote the Alcoholics Anonymous program and the 12 steps had a Ouija board in a back room of his house. And he on record talked about writing the steps while receiving inspiration from these spirits that he communed with. So that's common knowledge. I was wondering if he could have been referring to AA. He had said programs that Satan perfected. So I did a search for AA and the occult on my phone as a whim. My dad used to say, if you listen long enough, you'll hear anything you want to. I always expect to find a few things, even if they're not true. And I really don't put a lot of stock in internet writings without documentation. One thing I do want to say, when you go to our site, you will see that everything that I write is documented by scripture. I try not to use any opinion. It's obvious that I hate AA and the 12 steps, but it's because it contradicts the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I don't just make open accusations or call something heretical without showing how it contradicts the gospel, because that is very common on the Internet. He says, and I don't really put a lot of stock in Internet writings without documentation, but my phone lit up. I started by ordering a book, 12 Steps to Destruction, as well as Bill Wilson's autobiography, Pass It On, to verify references. 
Quite obviously, the 12 steps are a doctrine of demons. I had another meeting with our associate pastor in which I had taken the time to type out my scripture references and things from well-known authors, Redpath, C.S. Lewis, D.L. Moody, etc. All these guys pretty much helped expose the heresy of AA into seven pages and gave them to him along with a copy of 12 Steps to Destruction and asked that he relay my concerns to our senior pastor. A few more months went by, and I was in, and it was announced in church two weeks ago that we would be beginning a four-part series leading to the launch of the region program for our church. I spent a couple hours praying about what to do. I don't want to be the guy that splits a church. Why did God choose me as the only one to have discernment in this situation and everybody else just go along with it? Am I missing something? I even asked him that although I want to be in complete obedience, could I head to Tarsus like Jonah and get and have him intervene if I am to continue in this? I happened to run into our associate pastor in Home Depot a day or two later. We talked for about 15 minutes and I asked how our senior pastor received the information and was told that he couldn't relay all of the info that I had given. It was too much. I asked about the fact that the 12-step program was a doctrine of Satan and was told that our senior pastor is up on those sort of things. I don't think it was relayed to him. Last week was the first of the four-part series, and our pastor did an excellent message concerning our need to draw closer to Christ and putting away of sin that's holding us back that was sound in doctrine, and I wholeheartedly agreed with him. He's an excellent teacher and always doctrinally sound. That being said, I am led to my next step of approaching him in regards to this issue. We are a church in a small town with a membership of over 1,000. For a small town, that's huge. This doctrine is being launched to these people who are as ignorant as I was about the origin of the 12 steps. And it seems that even when shown, people discount it as if God's word mixed in is like the antidote or something. I get that con constantly from people. You can't mix the blood of Christ with a doctrine of demons. I don't know how to approach him at this point. It's already set in motion, and I'm just a sheep in the crowd that thinks he has something to say that should matter. How do I get this through to him before it's launched as a doctrine to a whole church? I couldn't get it through to the leader or to the associate pastor, which I have known for 25 years. How can I get the senior pastor to listen? I believe this will fundamentally change the doctrine of our church to that of a false religion. It's not just about myself having to move on to another church. It's about 1,000 people that confess to love God being led away from sound doctrine. Satan is not under the constraints of time as we are, and I'm sure this has been his plan from the beginning in 1935. He's referring to when A was founded. When this first started, I asked my wife, how does Satan enter a church? I didn't know that was prophetic at the time. Any advice or help you offer, along with prayer, is appreciated. So you can see the horrendous, terrible problem that this man's facing. And this is just one church. This is happening all over the world. There is a church here in uh, Meridian, Idaho, where I live. And a few years ago, I had the opportunity to share these, much more information than what I just shared with you guys with this pastor because they are entrenched with Celebrate Recovery. And I went through and showed him all of this documentation. And this church probably has a thousand, two thousand people in it. This pastor's response was to get angry, stand up abruptly from the table, 
point his finger at me and say, you're just a Calvinist. You, you take scriptures much too seriously and stormed out. No interest in what I was talking about. Now, my response to this gentleman was, I said, hello, and I, I'm not going to share his name. Unfortunately, what are you what you are dealing with has been happening in churches worldwide for years. Satan is sneaking false doctrine in the door through recovery programs. The lack of discernment by church leaders never ceases to amaze me. You have obviously been blessed with the discernment to see clearly the heresy and danger of the 12 steps and the programs that have sprung up from them. However, in all the years I have been exposing the heresy of the 12 steps and warning pastors and leaders, it has become clear the vast majority will never take a stand against these heresies. Why? Because the majority of modern Christian churches are based much more on a business model than a biblical model of what a church is, and the recovery industry is a big business. I know this sounds a bit harsh and judgmental, but it is a fact. I used to engage in debates with pastors who embraced recovery programs. I no longer do so because it, is, because it is very depressing. It is a very depressing endeavor, and they never seem to be interested in biblical truth. But a few questions I used to ask them were, how will you preach on the authority and sufficiency of Scripture after relying on a recovery program to reach those in sins of addiction? How can you preach on 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 without being a hypocrite? How can you ever preach on the authority and sufficiency of Christ while relying on a program based on teachings that are in direct contradiction to his gospel? The most common response I received from these, from these questions was, why do you take scripture so, so strictly or seriously? Yes, pastors of large churches responded in this way. The only advice I can give you is to be very matter of fact. Simply show how the origins and teachings of the 12 steps are heretical and obviously of demonic origin, which it sounds like you have already tried to do. Maybe print out the articles on our site that list the teachings of the 12 steps with biblical refutations. They are very concise and clear and ask the pastor, pastor to read them. But again, it seems like you have already presented such information and they were mostly not interested. It always saddens me when I read the writings of men who lived many years ago, such as Spurgeon, or even as far back as Augustine, and they mention how someone who for years had been a drunkard, after hearing the message of the gospel and moved by the power of the Holy Spirit, repented and became an amazing example of the power of the gospel, how their lives shined with the glory of the Lord because of the clear transform transformation the Lord had worked in them. It saddens me because there are rarely such instances these days. Rather than repentance, modern churches teach recovery. Rather than sharing the gospel with a person trapped in the sin of addiction or drunkenness, modern churches lead someone into a recovery program in order to treat their disease. Why would anyone need to repent of a disease? How can anyone be convicted of sin through the message of the gospel when they've been told the lie that they have a disease rather than the truth that they are in sin? I could go on and on. I would suggest if the leadership of your church refuses to repent and continues to allow the recovery program in your church, then you need to find a new place for yourself and your family, which will not be easy during these times. In parentheses, I put, I preach online each Sunday simply because so many people contact me from all over the world who cannot find a biblical gospel-centered church. 
In order to help these those in your current church see the light of truth, you may pray about making up some flyers. Feel free to use any of my articles, mail them, email them, or hand them out to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. You probably already know this, but since you have been blessed with discernment, you most likely you will most likely walk more alone in I'm sorry, I'm going to start over at that chapter with that paragraph. You probably already know this, but since you have been blessed with discernment, you will most likely walk more alone in this world, but more closely with the Lord as you go forward. I believe that we are experiencing the most blatant sign of the end of the age, the great apostasy or the great falling away. It is not just my opinion, but a common consensus among among many solid biblical Christian pastors and leaders I have met with over the last 10 years or so. And that consensus is that at least 90% of the modern Christian church is unsaved and ignorant of the gospel. So when you expose heresy and proclaim the truth, you are in a very small minority and you will be attacked for it. So be it. Praise the Lord for such a blessing. I hope this information helps, and I'm sorry to seem so negative about it all. But as I mentioned earlier in my experience, churches who have welcomed recovery programs almost always defend those programs regardless of any biblical proof of them being contrary to Christ and the gospel. Also, if you would not mind, I would like to use your email and my response in a sermon. Obviously, I would not share your name. These interactions are very good for helping people to see and understand just how destructive the recovery industry is in the modern church and how important it is to pray for and strive for discernment during these times. Please let me know if that is okay with you. If not, I understand. God bless Pastor Chad Prigmore. His final reply to me was, Chad, I really appreciate you taking the time to reply and especially for your advice in this matter. At this point, I'll try and schedule a meeting with our senior pastor and study up beforehand. Thanks for the scriptures. Asking him how to teach on those sounds like a great approach. He is always so scripturally sound that I am optimistic that he will understand if he takes the time to listen. My fear is that he assumes the associate pastor already weeded me out as a crazy and won't listen to me. I love my home church and I love my church family and this is really breaking my heart. As far as using my email, feel free. Also, the link for the regeneration program is blah, blah, blah. It came from a mega church in Dallas, and you can add it to your list with Celebrate Recovery and AA. And going through half of the program, I find it, found it to have a lot of bait and switch. They do a really great teaching using scripture and then have you do something that completely, completely contradicts scripture. Thanks again for your help. And by the way, God completely delivered me from alcohol in May of 1997. No program, just his word and no stumbling back. He is so awesome. May God uh, richly bless you in his ministry. Folks, in closing, think about, that's a ton of information that I just threw at you guys. But think about what I shared at the beginning, the proof of the heresy of just the few steps from AA that I shared with you what this man is dealing with in his church. And now look at all that in the light of these verses that I'm going to close with. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. I will tell you, when I first got the idea of starting a recovery program, it was for the wrong reasons. We went to this church. We just moved up here to Idaho. 11 or 12 years ago, we saw a sign for a church. It looked cool. So we went there. It's when the Lord was really just 
wakening me to the power of what the true gospel is and, sh- and beginning to show me what a mess so much of the modern church is. And I went to them and I said, hey, I've been sober for, I don't know, at the time, 15 years, 16 years, whatever. I, I came out of the 12 steps. Uh, I want to do something that's Christ-like. Can I set up a program here? They just let it go. They didn't even test what I was teaching. I could have been there on Sunday afternoons when we had the meetings doing voodoo and, you know, cutting chickens heads off, doing whatever I wanted. They didn't test anything. And it turned out after a few months that as I was waking up to the truth more and more, that church began to show that it was a very, very far from being a biblical church. So we soon after left there. But that's an example of not testing the spirits. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God. This is the verses that I said, how can a pastor preach on this if he's relying on something other than scripture to bring people out of sin? How could they preach on these verses? 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. People constantly ask me, have you read this book? Have you read that book? Have you watched this guy's videos, that guy's? Folks, I read Charles Spurgeon, Augustine. There's one pastor that I'm reading a book who's a current pastor, and he is really on target with the gospel. But I mainly just, I read the Bible. Why? Because the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. With the Bible, with God's word. 1 Corinthians 10, 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. This is where Celebrate Recovery screws up big time. It's more dangerous than AA because they take the 12 steps, mix some scriptures in, almost all of them completely ripped out of context, and then sell it worldwide as a recovery program with a Christian label. Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's what this man is trying to do that emailed me. And Romans 12.2, again, our ministry verse, my life verse, do not be conformed to this world. To become a participant in recovery programs is to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, and perfect. Folks, if you're dealing with any of these issues, if you're dealing with addiction, please take the time to email me, chad at the way r122.org. And I will provide you with any information I can. If you're dealing with a similar situation at your church, if you're trapped in the 12 steps, I just got a call from another gentleman a day or so ago, and he's been struggling with AA. He knows he has to get out. So I'm going to be talking to him and hopefully the Lord will set him free from that. It is a massive problem, but don't go for it. Remember Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. And the will of God is for you to have faith in, trust in, and believe in, and follow and be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again. I pray that this message, again, would just be uh, powerful in people's lives, that you would do a mighty work through it. And Lord, that you would get this message somehow into the 
uh, in front of these pastors that have been led astray by these false teachings, that you would set churches free from this heresy that Satan sneaks in the door so easily these days, that these people will start waking up and realizing that we do not need programs. We have the God. We have your word. Christ is sufficient. The word is sufficient. The Holy Spirit is more than powerful enough to deliver us from anything we're suffering from. And I pray that you would just do a mighty work through this. And we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Folks, please visit us at thewayr122.org. If you could, please consider donating to the ministry. We need all the help we can get. And again, if you need anything, please feel free to email me, chad at thewayr122.org. God willing, I'll be back here next Sunday, same time, same place. God bless you guys. Thank you.